Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, as you've already done so much, as you've already done uh, uh, great works and mighty miracles, Lord, because that's who you are. You are a miracle-working God. Lord, we give you praise this morning. We give you honor and we give you glory. Lord, we also ask you right now as we go to your word, Lord, that you fill this place with your spirit, your presence, and you speak to each and every one of us through your word and through the word preached and taught this morning. Lord, that we hear from you, that we gain revelation knowledge of who you are, what you've called us to do, and what you want to do in our lives. We thank you for it in advance and receive it by faith. And everybody that agrees with me, just shout out, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, I, uh, I'm thankful for my upbringing. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for... You know, during this season of going back to school, uh, I always have fond memories, and I'm sure many of you do as well, of this season of going back to school. You know, memories of how your parents took care of you, how your parents uh, maybe did, did things for you. And, and uh, sometimes when I, when I do thing with, things with my kids, I realize or uh, have that epiphany, man, I have I've turned into my dad. Has anybody else had that epiphany yet as a parent where you're, you're doing something, and you're like, man, I actually, go, go back a little bit, maybe before you have kids or, or when you're growing up, you, you, you think to yourself or you say to yourself, I'll, I'll never do that. I'll never, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Never. You know, they say you should never say never. And then you get, you're in there, you're in the moment, and, then, and you, you say phrases, you know, that like your parents said, and you're like, that sounded so cheesy when I was a kid. I would never have said that, you know, and then here I am now, and, and it's coming out of my mouth. You know, you actually imitate your parents. You, you, you imitate them. That's a lot of how you learn as a kid is by imitation. Even in school, a lot of what they do is imitation. Um, how many of you uh, know the English language? Now, there's some hands that aren't up. I just, maybe I can't see you. Okay, all right, all right, cool. Just making sure. I didn't know if we need to run real quick and get some translators somewhere and make sure we can talk to you today. So everyone knows the English language. Now, did, how many of you that know the English language came out of the womb and supernaturally spoke English? None of us. How did you learn English? Because some parent or some uh, uh, a person in your life, if you, if you maybe you didn't have your mom and dad, you had foster parents or you had grandma and grandda granddad, but, but they got in your face and they said, Mama. Mama. Dada. Dada. I don't know why we always, when we do that as parents, we like accentuate our face and stuff like that's going to help them more. But that's what we do. All of us did it. If you have kids, you get in their face, then you say these words. And what do they do? Eventually, they imitate it. They copy it. And that's how we learn to speak is by imitating, is by copying, is by replicating the example set before us. Some of us that have had maybe a rough life or rough parts of our life, we actually ended up in those situations and in those 
pathways because we were imitating people in our life that we shouldn't have been imitating, but we didn't know any better because that was the example set before us, and we were imitating them. If they drank, then we started drinking early, or if they did drugs, then you started doing drugs early, or whatever the case may have been. If they were around atmospheres that kids shouldn't be in, and, and they didn't set those boundaries, they didn't, they didn't uh, uh, um, um, whatever, then you end up replicating that or imitating that because that's what we tend to do. And with Pastor Reggie coming tonight, I wanted to kind of read the scripture from Paul. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I'm going to couple it with a couple of other scriptures to help us understand why it's so important to me and why it should be important to you if it's not already. That when you have, because uh, 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 if, if you come to this church and I'm your pastor, there's a role, a spiritual role I'm supposed to play in your life that I want to show you from God's word. And I, I, I'm one of the, I, I used to be real, you know, I, I, I growing up, I, I wanted to be like, you know, the president of the United States and all those kinds of things. And I always had big dreams and big goals and big visions. And then I realized one day that I could go the political route and I could do all that kind of stuff. But I really wanted to help people in a way that really helped people in a way that really like, like I, I can do it in a political way and try to create policies and create, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm all for uh, uh, um, voting. I'm all for, you know, political systems. But the thing is, is that you can't rely on those. Those, those fade away. God's word tells us that those fade away, that they come and go, that they change. One day they're this, the next day they're that. But one thing is certain, the God we serve, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he set in motion a, a system after Jesus died, was resurrected, and rose from the grave where men and women of God are put in our life for a very specific reason and purpose. And you may already know this. If you do today, then I hope it's a good refresher for you. And if you don't, then I hope that you're enlightened today with why, you know, uh, uh, we do some of the things that we do in the church world and specifically in this church. So are you there in 1 Corinthians 11? Notice this. He says, and, and some of my scriptures today are actually in King James. And of course, I usually use New King James, but y'all can follow along on the screens. They'll just put up New King James and that's fine. It says here in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, look at this verse in the New King James. I read the King James. It says, be followers. And we use that term a lot. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Come after me. You know, hey, do, do this with me. Follow me. Follow me here. Uh, um, we had several new families today, and they're, they're, they needed to show people where to go in the back. And they say, follow me back here. And they lead them to the back. You tell people to follow you, but following you uh, uh, is one thing, like when you're taking steps in the same direction as someone else. But imitating is another. And this word, the original Greek word that Paul used here, it does mean follow, but what it literally means is follow me by imitating my every move and action. And so that's why the New King James says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. What is Paul saying? Paul is telling the Corinthian church, hey, I'm setting an example for you by how I am imitating Christ. The Bible says until Christ be formed in you, all of us, every pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher that walks this earth, they're all human. We're all human. I am human. We are working to imitate or, or follow Christ just like the rest of us. The difference is, is that God's word tells us that there's a function 
and a standard that we are held to as a pastor, as a prophet, as an evangelist, as an apostle, as a teacher, that when you do those things, that as you're, as you're walking through life, I'm not just uh, serving God for me alone. It's also so that I'm setting an example and a pattern for others to imitate. And so when I think about Pastor Reggie coming tonight, the only reason I know Pastor Reggie is through Pastor Steve. So I want to go back a little bit because I know we have new families and, and you're, you might not even know who I'm talking about. So let me just back up and take a few steps back and I'm going to bring you back up to where we are today. All right, so 38 years ago, Pastor Reggie Scarborough started Family Worship Center in Lakeland, Florida. He came out of Rama Bible Training Center, which is in Tulsa. Some of you might have heard of Brother Kenneth Hagin and the Word of Faith movement. And so he was very close with Brother Kenneth Hagin. He spent time, um, um, lots of time with him. He would speak, uh, Pastor Reggie I'm talking about, would speak at Brother Kenneth Hagin's meetings and things like that. And so he was very, very well connected with Brother Hagin. We have uh, many of Brother Hagin's books. Um, I quote him often because he had a great revelation of faith. And that was imparted, if y'all remember, if you've been here for a while, a few months back, I, I preached on impartation. He imparted into Pastor Reggie a lot of those, the, 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 the understanding of God's word in, in, the, in regards to faith, in regards to healing, in regards to things that really matter to us today. And so Pastor Reggie, like I said, 38 years ago, he starts Family Worship Center in Lakeland, Florida. Well, uh, not long after they started, Pastor Steve was uh, um, a young man. He was um, going to college, different things. And he ended up in Florida and attending Family Worship Center in Lakeland. Ended up going on staff there. And eventually, after some years and time there, met Miss Amy. They got married and moved to Florence, South Carolina to start Family Worship Center 23 and some years ago. So 23 and some years ago, they started Family Worship Center down in, uh, over in Florence. Well, that's where we came from, because not long after he started, when I was in high school, I started attending Family Worship Center in Florence. And, and, and you know what? I, 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 I have great parents, and many of them, I mean, my parents, my family, my grandparents, stuff they, they watch online and stuff. And so I'm not just saying this because they're watching online, but I want to be clear. I love my parents. They're, they, 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 I, my work ethic, my dad, he put a good work ethic in me. I mean, a good, y'all ever see Pastor, listen, you know what I'm doing after I get done preaching today? I brought my clothes, I'm changing out of them. I got my blower in the back and that parking lot looked terrible this morning. And I'm not having Pastor Reggie show up here with a, and it's, you know, there's some things I can't control because I don't, I don't own the parking lot. The church doesn't own the parking lot. So I don't know what kind of party they had last night or whatever. I didn't have time before church today, but I got the blower and I'm going out there and I'm blowing off that parking lot because I, I have a good work ethic. My dad helped put that work ethic in me, man. My mom, she helped put a, a, a care and a love for people. She was just, just always caring and loving. And, and sometimes when things would happen in my life, I always remember my mom coming in and, and putting her arms around me and always had an encouraging word and just a loving, supportive, you know? I mean, so, some men don't, don't always have that softer side to them. And I'm not saying I'm super soft, okay? But the, the little bit of soft side that I have, I got it from my mom. I got it. I got it from her. Because I, I learned to imitate her. Those, those moments meant a lot to me growing up, and I imitated her. Well, then when I started attending Family Worship Center, there was a spiritual aspect that I, I didn't even know I was called to preach. I didn't even know I was called the pastor. I didn't know those things. God did, and he put Pastor Steve in my life 
And I began, without even realizing what I was doing, I began to imitate him spiritually. I began to follow him spiritually. I began to realize, hey, there's something in my life that, that, that this man is going to help pull out of me. Now, why does this matter to you? Because you're sitting in the seats and some of you may be called in the ministry, but most of you are not. And that's, that's fine. Um, when I say ministry, I mean the fivefold gifts that I keep mentioning. But what you might not know is all of us are ministers. Just point to yourself and say, I'm a minister. You might not even realize that. See, God's word tells us that you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? The ministry of reconciliation is this, that when you know somebody who does not know Jesus, that you help reconcile them to Christ. And all of us are called to do that. What else did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples of me. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Do you see how all this works? So it doesn't matter whether you're someone like me. Again, I didn't even know I was called in the ministry. Or, or someone who's just saying, okay, I just want to make an impact at my job with my family. You're like, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Phenomenal. Whether you've got one kid or 33 kids, or whether you're a foster parent or a parent of a, of a child that's already grown up, you have a job as a minister. You have a job to minister to people. To, 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 you have a, actually, I'll say this way. You have a calling. Now, some of us, again, and I'm going to read the, uh, a scripture in Ephesians in just a second that outlines these five gifts. Some of us are called into full-time ministry. Full-time ministry. Okay? And that's great. But every one of us. He didn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel if you're an apostle. Go into all the world. Make disciples if you're a pastor. Everybody else, you're off the hook. No. He said, if you know Jesus, and if Jesus has changed your life, then you have a responsibility as a believer to share him with those around you, to be a walking beacon, a walking light, a walking example of, man, I want everyone around me to know that God is good. And God is good all the time. And he's been good to me. And he loves you. And you have, that's the reconciliation part. That's the ministry of reconciliation, and you're a minister. Whether you realize it or not, you are and should be ministering to people. So look at this verse. I'm going to read a couple more. Uh, let's look at uh, Ephesians. Actually, we'll go to 5, and then we'll go back to 4. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God. See, we're called to be not just followers of God. Then Paul in Corinthians, he said, as I follow God, follow me. Let me set the example for you. And, he, and Paul here in Ephesians 5 says, Be followers of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. Now, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And here's where we see the gifts listed out. And I'm having a hard time finding it in my notes. Ephesians chapter 4. Can y'all put Ephesians 4? I'll tell you what I'll do. Ephesians. There we go. Are you there? 
Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts. Everybody say gifts. He gave gifts to men. Verse 9 and 10 explain how Jesus went down and, and uh, to the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended. Now look at verse 11. Because verse 9 and 10 are in parentheses. They're parenthetical. Verse 11, ready? And he himself, he gave some. Everybody say some. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now notice in verse 12 why Jesus gave these gifts. And before I explain verse 12, remember Jesus gave us these gifts. Jesus gave us the gift of pastor. When Pastor Steve came into my life and, and we started attending Family Worship Center all those years ago, 20-something years ago, I didn't know everything I needed to gain from him. And you may not realize that today of, of why does God, I mean, I can read the word at home. You sure can. And you better. You better. It's, it's not my job to be the only one, the only spiritual influence in your house. If you don't read the word, you're not going to grow. Your faith is not going to grow. Well, I could read books from other great men of God. Yes, you, and you should. You should. I can help point you to some great ones. But if that's all you do, you're going to miss out on this. You're going to miss out on verse 12. You say, well, I can, just, I can just church hop. I can just go around to different churches and let different, you know, so one week I'll go here and then I'll take a couple weeks off and the next week I'll go. No. If you do that, you're going to miss out on verse 12. Look at this. Verse 12. Why did Jesus give us these gifts? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you see there, there's edifying that comes. There's a building up. That's why most of my sermons, although they'll have uh, uh, correction in them and they'll have um, God's word that will inspire us to change things in our life, I, I don't shy away from from. from, <laughs> from you know, things that other pastors might shy away from. I, I hit all the topics. But I also do it in a way that will edify you. Because that's my job, is to build you up. That you leave here, yes, maybe you were, uh, uh, you know, the old phrase that the pastor stepped on my toes. Maybe your toes didn't get stepped on. All right? But the, pro the, the thing you have to realize is I'm not, I promise you. And this, I'm trying to make this message not about me, but I'm your pastor. So just to give you an example, I can't speak for Pastor Reggie, Pastor Steve, but I know them because I imitated them. And that our goal and our job is never to step on people's toes. I know because we've talked about it. I know because I've, I've sat in Pastor Steve's office years ago, years ago, when I was just on staff at his church in Florence and, 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 and sat in there and he'd go, I, you know, I, don't, I, I never meant for that. The people receive things a certain way. And he'll say something, and the people receive it, and they, re they, they receive it. No, it, our job, like, our job is to help people. Our calling is to help people. Pastor Steve it connected all, all, all of us together and connected me to, like, Pastor Reggie would not be coming here if it wasn't for Pastor Steve. He means something to me. He's valuable in my life, not as a man, but as a gift. As a gift. Now, I do love him as a man, but, but as a gift, I recognize the gift he is in my life, that he's there to equip me. Now, again, Pastor JT called into full-time ministry. You might think, well, that's just for, it says equipping 
for ministry. Do you see that? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. But it doesn't specify that, that, that the, the five gifts equip the other gifts. It says the equipping of who? Do you see it? Who's getting equipped? The saints. For the work of the ministry. So all of us have work of the ministry. All of us have work that we should be doing. All of us have things that we're doing in our life. And so when you are, 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 are uh, committing and, and, and um, committing your life to Jesus, so saying, hey, I'm going to serve God, part of that serving means having these gifts in your life. Now, I don't have time to go through all of this. This, this could be a, a college-level course. But, but, but if you look at uh, uh, um, Acts and how churches were started, how, how bishops and elders and all that was started, how churches were formed and structured, the early history of the church, you can see that God's system flows through the local church. It flows through the local church. And that's why the, the pastors become, uh, um, I mean, most of us, you might not have even heard of some of the, you're like, like apostle, what's an apostle? I'll tell you in a second. What, what you know, an, an evangelist, what's an evangelist? Well, an evangelist is someone who just goes in, preaches, uh, usually it's a basic message of salvation. Not that they can't preach other things, but salvation. They get people saved. Sometimes I'll joke about, you know, I've seen evangelists preach messages that minister nothing to me. And like 100 people get saved. Because there's a gift in their life. I mean, it's almost like that, and I'm, a jo I'm joking when I say this, but it's almost like they can get up and preach peanut butter jelly. And people get saved. They don't, they preach the word, but that's just what it seems like. They have a gift on their life for seeing people saved. Well, then when the people get saved, what do they do? Where do they go? They need a church. They need to be discipled. That's where pastors and teachers come in because that's their gift. The word pastor there is also translated many times throughout the Bible as shepherd. So Pastor Reggie, again, started as a pastor. But then the word apostle is a sent one or a messenger or someone who has a, a specific commission from God. And if you look at apostles, there's, there's, there's different levels of apostles. You know, Jesus was the ultimate apostle. He's in a class all by himself. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus was an apostle of the faith. What did he do? Well, he was sent by God to come, John 3, 16, to die for our sins, to die for the world. Right? Then you have the 12 apostles. They're in another level. Then you have uh, uh, Paul and, and those that wrote the, a lot of the early books of the Bible. They were also called apostles. But we still have apostles today because nowhere in the Bible are we instructed that these gifts stop. Nowhere are we, are we instructed that they're not. No, they are there. Look at this. Let's keep going. Not only are these gifts given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Not only are they there to edify the body of Christ, but look at verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to explain all that in a second. Look at verse 14. That we should no longer, everybody say no longer. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Now notice this, verse 16, and then we're done reading the scripture and we'll go back. Verse 16, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working. Look at this, by which 
Say, everybody say every part. By which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Why did God put this system in place? Look at this in verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith. So we know that these gifts are going to be in working until we're all unified. That will not happen until Jesus comes back, raptures the church, and we reign for a thousand years. That will all be unified. Then notice it says, to a perfect man. That word perfect is also used elsewhere. Paul used that word elsewhere, and it means maturing. So it's not that I'm perfect, Pastor T's perfect, or Pastor Rigid. That's not what we're trying to say. And it's not trying to say that we're trying to make you perfect. It's that we're trying to make you mature. Mature. That you mature up. That the same things that you did as a baby Christian, think about a, a child. I mean, you don't want a 15-year-old acting like a 2-year-old. Sometimes, <laughs> some of us as parents will say that. You're acting like a child. What do we mean? You're doing things you used to do when you were little, and now you're 10, or now you're 15, or now you're 21. And you need to stop acting like a child. You know, that, that happens to us in the body of Christ. And part of the job or the goal or the calling of these fivefold gifts is, is to bring structure there. Is to bring structure there. Now, one of the things I love about Pastor Steve and Pastor Reggie, just to tell you, this, this is just personal because y'all don't know them like I know them. Listen. They are not, and, and, and have taught me to do the same thing here, we are not the Holy Ghost. You may have come out of churches, and I've heard stories, thank God this church is not one, where nothing can happen without the pastor. If you want to date somebody, you got to go to the pastor and get approval to date the person. I might steer you a little bit just trying to help you out if I see some major red flags. But I'm not going to tell you you can't date somebody. It's your life. And here's the best part. You have the Holy Spirit just like I do. And he speaks to you just like he speaks to me. I'm not any more special, Pastor Steve, Pastor Angel, but we have a goal or calling, look, to mature the believers, mature the body of Christ. Look at verse 14. This is one of the things I'm most thankful for, for uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Reggie. Look at this. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. More than ever, because of YouTube, social media, TikTok now, doctrine gets thrown around on the internet like candy. And immature Christians, listen to me, I'm not trying to be harsh, this is reality. Immature Christians take stuff that sounds really good off the internet and just like a fish, swallows bait and gets hooked that's what happens and people say things online in some catchy tiktok video or some catchy whatever youtube thing and it sounds really good but it's not backed by scripture and i'm thankful for a pastor that when things like that creep up i don't want to get off topic but i could rattle off two or three that i'm thinking of right now just things that are creeping up in the body of christ that that where, where people have kind of gone off track. They had good intentions. They were trying to, trying to help people, trying to see people saved or whatever, but they get off track. You know, when you go down a road, of course, now they have underground pipes, but still around here, there's lots of roads that have, you ever see roads that have ditches on either side? And I feel like that happens a lot with the body of Christ, that you can get on a ditch on either side. 
Like, for instance, let's take the prosperity gospel, right? Which I don't even really like that term. That's what a lot of people call it. Well, I believe God wants you blessed. I can point to scripture after scripture after scripture that God wants you blessed. But there's a ditch on either side, right? So I can take the scripture route, the middle of the road route, and point to scripture for that. Well, I learned those by imitating Pastor Steve and Pastor Reggie. You see what I'm saying? Like, I learned those. And they help me stay in the middle of the road. Because there's one ditch that'll say, well, God doesn't want you blessed at all. That's all the way to the one side. God doesn't want you blessed at all. There's no blessing that that's not. Well, scripture, too many scriptures point that he does. But then there's also the other side that's all just material gain. And it's almost like they treat God like a vending machine. I've heard people preach these messages. That, that I mean, the whole relationship with God is just to get, get things from him. And that's not the job. No, my job as a Christian is to serve him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, to do whatever he asks me to do. And when I do, just like I want to bless my kids when they're good to me, God blesses me. I believe he blesses me, but the goal is not to be blessed. The goal is for me to serve God, and in serving God, all these things. Matthew 6, all these, everybody say all these things. All these things will get added to you. See, that should encourage you today. See, see I told you you'd be edifying. See how that came? That's not in my notes. That came right out of my spirit today. That as you serve God, as you work to do the things for God's kingdom, as you say, you know what? I want to help my local church, and I want to serve, and I want to be in the children's ministry. I want to greet people at the door or whatever, and you do those things. When you put God's kingdom first and you sacrifice your time, talent, resources to do it, God will bless you in return. He'll bless you. Because that's what he does. He'll make all these things, all these things added. All these things get added to you because God's good. So there's doctrines out there that are, that are, that are, I, I want to just say this too. If you have that happen to you where you see something and you feel like, you know, I'm not quite sure about this. It sounds good, but can I believe it? Let's talk about it. Catch me after the service and say, hey, I saw this the other day. What is, what is, what, is this true? Can I really believe? Can I, can I use this in my life? And then we'll look at it scripturally. And if I don't know the answer, guess what? I know people in my life that do. And it'll help me understand things. I, I, I love when Pastor Reggie comes into town because usually I get to spend some time with him and always I've got my questions already. I've got my questions ready. I'm ready to ask him whenever the opportunity comes because I don't want to, I'm not there to talk. He might ask me stuff, but I don't want to talk. I want to listen. The old Pastor JT wanted to talk a lot. Now I want to listen because I've, I've learned and recognized that, that structure. So when Pastor Reggie comes, he comes more as an apostle. You have a pastor. But what's amazing, if you look at uh, like Acts 13, for instance, Acts 13 talks about Barnabas and Saul, or who we know as Paul. And it lists off five people. It says, in the church, there were uh, um, uh, prophets and teachers. In the church, there were prophets and teachers, and it lists five. Starts with Barnabas, lists a few others that are really hard to pronounce, so I'm not going to try to pronounce them. And then it ends with Saul, and it says that they were ministering. As they were ministering to the Lord, they were doing the work of the Lord, they were serving God, and as they were praying and fasting, the Lord spoke. And the Lord told them, set apart Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work of the ministry. This is Acts 13. Now, it says, for the work of which I called them. So he obviously had called them. Well, then you fast forward, you look at all that they did. They went, they preached, they got kicked out of cities, preached, got kicked out of cities. And eventually in chapter 14, they're called apostles. Why? Because they are, are obviously they were uh, prophets and teachers because Acts 13 says they were. 
but they were working in the church. It says, Acts 13 starts with, and there were in the church prophets and teachers. You can recognize these fivefold gifts because the fivefold gifts, the ones that, that I mentioned that, that, we, or that uh, were here in verse 11, prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, you're going to recognize them because they're in the church. You're going to recognize them because they're involved in the body of Christ. An evangelist typically goes around and travels because their goal, again, is to get people saved, and they're not very good. Their calling is not being a pastor. Their calling is not nurturing people and building them up and maturing them, but you can't mature somebody until you get them saved. So that's why they're vital. Does that make sense? Right, so that's why we had uh, Mark Dunphy a few weeks ago, evangelist, right? Then I do a lot more teaching, but I also preach, but my real calling is, is pastoring. And that's because I, I came up under Pastor Steve and Pastor Reggie, who are really good pastors. They're not trying to be world-traveling evangelists, although I think they could. They're not trying to be world-traveling TV evangelists, TV ministry people, although I'm not against those. I'm just saying that's not their... They want to pastor people. That's what they're called to do, and that's what they put in me. So if you're wondering why I'm so excited about tonight, it's because there's... I can't even, I could spend all day and some just talking about how much has been imparted into me from these men. But it's not because there's some special men, it's because they have a special gift. There's a gift that Jesus gave, five of them specifically, that are for all of our benefit, me included. That's why I have a pastor. That should make y'all happy. That your pastor has a pastor. That I'm submitted I, I'm not rogue. Now, I, I'm sure that none of you will ever, ever have a problem with me. But if you did, you've got somebody to go to. You could call Family Worship Center of Florence and say, hey, I need to talk to Pastor Steve because Pastor JT's gone crazy over here, which I'll never do. But I'm just saying, you, that should make you happy that you've got something. You've got, there, there's a covering there. Amen? There's a covering. There's the value there. Does that help you today? I want to read just a couple more things out of my notes. And then I have one other thing I want to share with you. So look at this. When you're following people, what are you, when you're following men and women of God, what are you following? Well, number one, you need to notice, or this is actually like a precursor to number one. I have other number one. This is like precursor one. Ready? The criteria is Christ. He says, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be followers of me, even as I also, even as I also. It does not say, it says, even as I follow Christ, it does not say, follow me even as I am perfect. It says, follow me even as I am following Christ. So the criteria is Christ. You follow people who are following Christ. Philippians 3.17 says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives, pattern, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Um, number two, we must find someone to follow. So we know from these scriptures that not only do we need uh, uh, to, to do things ourselves to grow? We need to have people to follow. Listen, you are who you associate with. You are who you associate with. If you, if you want to look at where you're going to be in a few years, just look at your friends. Friends, look at, look at who you're surrounded with. And if you surround your, yourself with good, godly people, you know, my wife and I joke about it all the time, about, well, she doesn't always think it's funny about how I tell everything and I tell all the stories and I just kind of, it's like we live in a glass house. Um, you have Miss Sarah back here. She, she's been a part of Family Worship Center of Florence for a long time. She knows Pastor Steve, Miss Samantha does, Miss Madison over here. 
Where did I get that from? Shout it out. Where did I get it from? Does Pastor Steve not do the same exact thing? He, he does, doesn't he? He, he just lives in a house. Well, I, I, I learned that the best way to, to help pastor, not the best way, but one of the ways that one of the things that you can do as a pastor to help people is just be real. Just be real. Be authentic. And th this is neat. I, when our kids do dumb stuff, I usually tell the story. Because I have kids, and I'm learning to parent just like the rest. But as I learn, part of my calling is to be an, uh, an example that you can imitate. Amen? All right, look at this. The art of following. Follow a follower. Follow, everybody say that. Say follow. Follow a follower. First, First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word and much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, follow, their, number two, follow their doctrine. Follow what they believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. For ye, brethren, you became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea and are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things for your own countrymen. Number three, follow the people they delegate and appoint. So when a pastor or, 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 or gift has had authority given to them, there's delegation that might come with that. Well, you, you follow that. If you have an issue, go to the top. Don't gossip. Don't talk. Don't, don't dismantle or, or belittle the gift that God's put in your life. Because maybe you're upset with, well, I don't know why he put so-and-so in charge because they don't even know how to uh, do such and such. Well, that's your opinion. Maybe they put them in charge because they are trying to pull something out of them that you don't see. And that's not your job. If you don't like it, switch departments. I'm sure they could always use more people in the nursery. No, but everybody, everybody wants to sing. You say it again? I'll say it again. All right, no, no, no. Let me stop, let me stop, let me stop. All right, number four. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Hebrews 6, 12. That you do not become sluggish. Don't become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Number five, follow their teachings and their doings. Acts 1.1. The former account I made, O Theo Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What did Paul do? What did Luke, or Luke, the uh, Acts, what did he do? He imitated, he imitated Jesus. He said all that he did and teach. And then follow their faith. Hebrews 6.12 that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. There's an art to following, and I hope you'll do it. I want to end on this. Turn to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. So now you see the value of tonight. I hope all of you will come tonight. I hope all of you will be here tonight for Pastor Reggie. Bring somebody with you. Invite somebody else that maybe, um, maybe they, had, they went to church elsewhere this morning. They don't have a night service. Bring them. Bring them to be a part of this meeting tonight. I would not miss it. And I know I was joking earlier to those that are watching online, but if you can be here tonight, be here tonight. 6.30. It starts at 6.30. For those that have kids, don't worry. Well, he's a, Pastor Reggie is very respectful of your time. He's not long-winded. Unlike me. He's not long-winded. I'm working on it. I'm trying to, get, trying to get it under control. Amen. But no, he's really not long-winded. I mean, he's really he's great. So I mean, we'll be out of here in very respectful amount of time. Uh, if you have, you know, like me, we have school tomorrow. We have all those things. You'll be fine. Come tonight. All right. Are you there in Deuteronomy 28? Look at this. This is picking up where I left off last week. Now it shall come to pass 
if you diligently obey. Everybody say diligently. Obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings, everybody say all these blessings, shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now go back to the very beginning of chapter 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass. Church your neighbor and tell them it shall come to pass. Well, what shall come to pass? See, when you, this is, this is, you know, why I wanted to go here is because of what came out of my spirit a few minutes ago. That, that you have blessings coming your way when you diligently obey. When you hearken to God's word. When you obey the commands that he has. It, it shall come to pass. Now, I told you last week, and of course it related to back to school Sunday, but you know what? It's not just limited to going back to school. God brings things to pass. When you commit your life and your ways and your, your uh, um, uh, gifts, talents, abilities, everything that's in your life, when you commit them to God, I want you to notice what God told his people. Look at what he told them, that look, if you, everybody say if, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Who does the setting high? God does. Who brings it to pass? Come on, everybody say God does. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now this is what I didn't get to get to last week that I felt was really good and I want to end on it today to encourage you as you leave and get ready for tonight. Ready? Look at the blessings that come when you hearken diligently, when you, when you diligently obey and carefully obey. Look at this. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Literally what God is saying is that it does not matter your geographical location. That when you hearken diligently to God, to his word, and obey his commands, and not, he's not saying be perfect, he's saying that I'm diligent that I'm relentless, that even if I do mess up, I, I dust off my, 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 if I get knocked down, I pick myself up, dust myself off, and I let God put me back on the path, and I keep walking, baby, because I'm diligently obeying carefully the words of God. And when I obey God's word in, in every way I can, and I make a point to get rid of the things I need to get rid of, and I say, and I set my family on a path, then it does not matter my geographical location that blessings will come. Blessings will come. Blessed shall you be. Notice that the blessings on you. Whew. The blessings on you. The, the blessing is on you, not the city. Not the country. Not Amazon. Not your laptop. No, the blessings on you when you diligently, when you hearken. What does hearken mean? Which is not in this translation, it's in, but what does hearken mean when you hearken diligently, when you diligently obey? What does that, what does hearken mean? When you really, really pay attention. Like, again, going back to our kids, you know, they, 
don't always pay attention. I have one that hearkens diligently, one that I don't think is listening, but then when you ask her stuff, it sounds like she actually was sort of listening, like about 95%. And then I have Josh, our three-year-old, which y'all just need to pray for me. Hey, man, just need, I need to remind myself every time he does something, I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, look at this next verse. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. That's talking about your kids. See, look at this. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Not only are you blessed, but because of the association by the blood in your veins to the children that you have in your household, even if they're not blood, but they're in your household, they're under your house. When you are blessed, they're blessed. When you're blessed, they're blessed. They're blessed because that's what God does. His blessings are like anointing oil that pours on top of your head. It doesn't stop. It pours down. And it goes down. It goes down to your lineage. As long as you hearken diligently, as long as you commit your ways to him, the blessings flow to your, the fruit. Look at this. The fruit of your body. The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. There comes in your job, your production, the things you're producing. Because you're blessed, it now begins to affect the things that are around you. It now begins to affect your classroom. It now begins to affect your office. Well, I'm just at the bottom of the totem pole. I'm just, I'm just nobody. Like, I don't even, I'm, they don't even know who I'm at. Half the time, I don't even think I know they know I'm there. You don't just keep serving God. And before all, they're going to go, who's that guy? I like him. I like him. Hey, he's, he's doing really well. Look at his production. Look at what he's doing. Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And all of a sudden, you're getting an opportunity. And the guy who's been there three years longer than you is mad. Don't be mad. I'm blessed, bro. Don't be mad at me, bro. I'm blessed. Anybody in here blessed? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Don't be mad at me. You got an issue, take it up with him because he's the one blessing me. I'm just here doing my job. I'm just here serving God. I'm just here committed to his ways. I'm just here committed to what he called me to do. I'm just here following and arcing diligently. So you just leave me alone, bro. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Say God brings it to pass. Number five, verse five, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Number six, verse six, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. At the beginning of your day and at the end of the day, the blessings don't end. The blessings don't stop. God's blessings don't, don't you know, if, if you feel like, oh, well, I'm, I start my day so good and then I end my day, no, then there's something you're allowing in the middle of your day to strip you of what God's put on you. Because God's word says that his blessings, they start at the beginning of your day when you hop out of your bed and the end of the day when you hop back in. The blessings don't stop. Coming in, going out. I do I say, say, I'm blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You've got to get it in you. When I serve God, I'm blessed. Blessings follow me. The Bible says they're going to overtake. Take, overtake is an old word. Take over might be a more modern vernacular. They'll take over you. They'll take over you. They'll take over you. I'm not even trying to get a promotion. They're just, here, sir, uh, here's a uh, bonus. What's the bonus for? I'm not really sure. We're not giving out bonuses right now, but you got a bonus. Praise God, I'm blessed. Hallelujah, I'm blessed. Blessings come. Look at this. 
Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord will cause. Who will do it? The Lord. Everybody say, he's bringing it to pass. The Lord will cause your enemies who arise against you to be defeated before your face. Stop fighting the battles God's taken care of. He's doing it. He, you're blessed. Let him bless you, and you just be you. You do you. Let them do them. I tell our kids, actually, I'm pretty sure I also got this from Pastor Steve. While I'm throwing in the whole lineage, spiritual lineage, we tell our kids this. When everybody else does wrong, and they'll finish the statement, we do right. When everybody else does wrong, we do right. I don't care if everybody else does, Kaylee, you're going to do right. You're going to do right. You're going to be right because you're blessed. And I can't allow you to start doing things in your life that are going to cause tendencies to develop and rip the blessing out of your life that I've hearkened diligently. My wife and I have hearkened diligently. We're serving God. And so the blessing's flowing into your life, baby girl. And you can't afford to mess up. So don't do what they're doing. You do you. You do you. And God will take care of them. God will take care of them. God will take care of them. I've told people this. When you've got a problem at your job, an issue with your boss, issue with whatever, just pray this simple prayer. God, either move me or move them. And don't pray, don't pray something that, that you wouldn't want prayed for you, right? Don't sow that seed. Pray that they get blessed. Let them get a better job somewhere. Maybe they won't be quite so me if they get promoted to the mailroom. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Not only will God take care of your enemies, but he'll scatter them. They're coming in one way and scattering seven ways. He'll scatter them. Everybody say they're scattering. Say, I see them. They're scattering. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. That's why at the end of the service, maybe not every service, but I try to pray it often, that everything you set your hand to will be blessed. I'm not just praying a good prayer because it sounds really good and I, wanted, I want you to leave here with a nice little prayer to send you off. I'm praying God's word that everything you set your hand to, that if you believe with me, that when you go to your job, when you go, I don't know what I used to produce with this hand, but right now this hand is going to start producing something good. It's going to start producing something great, that, that it's going to make a difference, that it's going to make a change, it's going to make an impact because everything I set my hand to is blessed because I'm blessed. Is anybody in here blessed? Set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a whole and people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments. If you keep the commandments. If you keep the commandments. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Is anybody here blessed? Come on, is anybody here blessed? Are you excited about Pastor Steve and Pastor Reggie coming tonight? Amen. Will you be here?